0: Good morning. Uh, I know that my twin preached last week, but I, uh, I actually wasn't here. I know some of you guys were confused, but um, I'm kidding. I, I'm so glad Roger was able to speak last week. Um, I was walking around like this. And some of you, that is a delight because you're an introvert. And so the last week... I've uh, come accustomed to the phrase that laryngitis is an introvert's dream and an extrovert's nightmare. So, um, but this week we are going to continue our Malachi series, Fresh Faith. I am excited to be in this passage, but I'm about uh, done with Malachi just telling us all the things that we need to change. But but this, this uh, passage that we're going to be in today is a very difficult passage, um, as well as the rest of Malachi as we're looking in the next few weeks. So if you have our app, you can click the link at the top of the feed, and you can find our version event. If you came in with a bulletin, you can have the notes from there. Um, for this entire series, we're going to be in Malachi. So for the, the rest of this month, we're going to be in Malachi. And we already handed out these Malachi journals, and I, I, I hope that you're using them. Um, going through the passage writing down things or things that interest you or questions you have um, that maybe we can answer on a Sunday morning. So let's pray um, before we get in the passage for this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we may not know it we may not realize it. Um, we may not see it yet uh, but God allow us to to be wholehearted worshipers not just give half of our heart to you but all of our heart to you, God. Help us to see the ways that we're we're providing uh, an offering of our, our our sacrifice of our life, um, and as we worship you, um, help us to see ways that God you can be the central part of everything that we do. Help us to worship you with everything that we have. We say all this in Jesus' name, Amen. I hate going to church. Church is just a group of boring people. It's full of fakers, hypocrites, that are just going through the motions. I'd much rather be with the quote-unquote sinners. At least they're not a waste of time like church is. Now let me pause there for a second. You might think that that was from some famous atheist. Doesn't it sound about right that a famous atheist would say something like that? But it's not it's actually a paraphrase of the message God gives through Malachi. Before your mind's blown, if you haven't read the passage from this morning, God actually goes so far to say, stop worshiping me. Someone, anyone, close the doors on this entire worship culture. It would be better if I just had no more meaningless gestures, no more fake prayers. And I know that's hard to, to swallow after the, the last part of Malachi. Where the last sermon I, I spoke on Malachi I said, he starts by saying, I love you to us. Now God gets to the oracle. And I, I described an oracle as a, as a judgment saying. Or the pronouncement of judgment here. But it reveals one more thing that he loves. That's what we have to realize. God loves Devotion reverence, adoration. He doesn't receive half-hearted worship. God's not looking to be one of the many gods we worship. He's looking to be the God we worship. So in this last section of Malachi, when God says, I love you, we need to trust him and say, I love you back. And this week, we're going to see that God deserves our whole heart, not just part of it. But instead of that, instead of our whole heart, the people gave God half-hearted and fake worship. So turn with me to Malachi chapter 1. It's the last book in the Old Testament. Verse 6 through 14. And we're going we're gonna to read from verse 6 through verse 9 very quickly here. Because honestly, as I read this, it's really challenging. So, Starting in verse 6, it says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I'm a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious with us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. So he asked a lot of questions there. In verse 6, he asked the question, where is my honor? God's like, where's my honor? They missed the point, as we do many times, and they focused on the behavior of half-hearted worship. That was just the symptom, though. God makes it clear it was lack of respect and honor that he was frustrated with. God desires wholehearted worship and devotion. That's what he wants. He wants wholehearted worship and devotion. And then verse 7, he tells us we're half-hearted right away by offering polluted food upon my altar. Imagine this for a minute with me. A husband comes home with a Valentine's gift. How many of you have gotten a Valentine's gift for your spouse or uh, maybe a significant other or something, right? You've done that before. And he stops by the Dollar Tree store and he gets a cheap plastic trophy that says, world's best wife. He comes home and he gives this to his wife, super excited because he got her a gift. I know this might be a scenario that might be sentimental. It possibly could. But for most, it's not. It's just a tacky and thoughtless gift, right? How many of you women would love a world's best wife trophy from Dollar Tree. That's what you want for Valentine's Day? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Nobody? Okay. It's hard to imagine that this wouldn't have caused disappointment or resentment. It would have been a symptom of an issue in their relationship. So what should we bring to God? Is that kind of parallel to what the people were doing here? The very best. Much like we would give someone with real ...power and influence in our lives. Verse 8 mentions a a gift to a governor. But why wouldn't you bring a good gift? Why wouldn't you? Because you're half-hearted. If we believe God has actual influence and power in our lives... We would bring him the best. We want God's favor, we want God's grace, but we bring half-hearted worship. And so God addresses that in verse 9 when he says, With such a gift from your hand, think of the trophy, with such a gift from your hand will he show favor to any of you. What were they expecting from their half-hearted worship? I mean, really, really, what were they expecting? Psalm 24 Verse 3-5 through tells us what God wants. This is what God wants. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul up to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So what does wholehearted worship look like? It looks like honoring God in our priorities. We need to honor God in our priorities. It's as simple as that. Think about money. Just think about money, because everyone loves talking about money in church, right? That's like one of the top things up there with politics. We enjoy spending money on things. New clothes, vacations, video games, golf clubs, a boat, a new car, saving for retirement. And we're happy to pay those things every month. But there are other areas we hate to pay. Anyone hate to pay certain bills? Car repairs, the sudden medical bill, speeding tickets, or maybe even college tuition. Oh, it's so expensive. How do we prioritize worshiping God with our money? Are you excited for the opportunity to give to someone's missions trip? Or receive the letter that you were sent? Maybe you just take that letter that someone, a relative, a family member, or a church member sent you and you kind of just put it in the garbage and you lose it. Or when you hear of a financial financial need, do you give and forego doing something you want? Let's think about time too. Let's, let's think, think bigger than this. Let's think about time. And time is actually more valuable than any financial thing in the entire world. We only have a certain amount of time, and so most of us have busy and very full schedules. We have moments in the day that we schedule for ourselves, even if it's at the end of the day. And maybe some of you, it's the beginning of the day. Maybe some of you, it's the end of the day. What do you enjoy doing? Reading? Sports? Watching Netflix? Fishing? Hunting? I don't know, needlepoint? Whatever it is. If you had 24 hours that you didn't have to do any of the regular things that you normally do, what would you do? Think about that for a second. What would you do if you had 24 hours and you had none of the regular things, none of the regular responsibilities, you didn't have to go to work, you didn't have to go to school, you didn't have to do X, Y, and Z, what would you do? Some of us would choose an extra day with family, be like, oh, I'm... I don't get enough time with my family. I'd like to do that. Some of us would choose a day away from family, right? There's two sides of that coin. Some of us would go fishing or hunting or read a book we've been looking forward to reading or go somewhere quiet. What is just as revealing about what we want to do in this 24 hours is our frustration about what we didn't get to do in our busyness, At the end of the day, what are we wishing we got to do? That tells us the focus of our hearts. It tells us what we are focused on. So where does relationship with God fit in our time? I'm firmly convicted that most of us are rarely frustrated at the end of the day with not having time with God. We don't go to bed and, oh, I'm so frustrated I didn't get time with God today. We might be frustrated about the things that we we set out to do instead we're focused on the lack of time to do what we want and it reveals what's most important the focus of our hearts is revealed every day like when we have an unexpected expense like a car breaking down or have to pay for a part we shouldn't have to replace we go to pick up the car just imagine with me for a second and they tell you it's gonna cost twice as much And they're going to need it for another few weeks. You're like, I don't have a car, what am I going to do? Now you're going to have to deplete some savings and forego a vacation that you were looking forward to. Our heart is filled with anger and frustration. We're yelling at the mechanic in our head, it's all his fault. As if he caused the problem. Stewing about how things could have been different. And our anger and frustration in this situation reveals something about our hearts. We'd forgotten that God is our Father and our Master. As it describes in the beginning there, verse 6, 7, 8. Or even further, we remembered that God is the one running the universe and we resent it deeply because why did this happen? Couldn't God have changed what had happened? The same God that made the widow's jar of oil have an unlimited supply in 1 Kings chapter 17. Could have easily kept our car working longer because he can, has unlimited resources. He could have had the mechanic fix the problem so we wouldn't be without a car for so long. Here's the problem with all this. This may seem like a scenario that's just made up and out there. But in this moment, in that moment when you're thinking like that, we're without any focus on God in that moment. We're angry. We're focused on our kingdom. We're losing what little money we have for something that God could have prevented. One author put it this way. Our idols, the things we want to spend our time and money on, are not getting their sacrifices. And we're cursing them for it. That's where that frustration comes from. We are exposed. We're giving God half-hearted worship, really wanting only what we want and not desiring his kingdom. And when we get what we want, we rarely turn to God. When we don't get what we want, we're more likely to turn to counseling or pastoral help or something because life's not the way it should be. God desires wholehearted worship and devotion. He doesn't desire part of us He desires all of us. So God desires that wholehearted worship and devotion. So where does our consistent worship of God fit within this pattern of frustrations and wants? Do we look forward to Sundays? Have you ever had a moment where you're just like, "Mm, I could just sleep in for another three hours. Anybody? Anybody this morning? Okay, someone raised their hand and they're on staff. That's a problem just kidding (laughs) do we look forward to Sundays do we do we fight for time to get in God's word and prayer do we set our Bible out in a public space in our house saying this is where I'm going to go because this is the most important part of my day are we listening to sermons or podcasts every week when we come together, there's something special when we gather together. But there is even more something special when you get into God's word in your life. There's something special about all of that. Or is our mind in those times when we we're, when we're, should be in God's word or we know we should be listening to a sermon, is, are we thinking, I wish I was in bed longer. I wish I was watching Netflix or on my phone. If that's the case... I'm saying this because I've been there. If that's the case, what we're bringing to church and what we're bringing to God is a cheap plastic trophy that says, world's best deity. A couple of people laugh, but that's, that's really what we're doing, right? We're just saying, hey, look, world's best deity, thank you. I'll just put it, how about you put that on your mantle?" And our expectation is that God will be thrilled with what we're offering. But clearly he's not. It doesn't make any sense. Before you think I'm speaking to you, I've had to learn this lesson myself. So the story about the car repair was me. (laughs) The story about the car repair was me. I was without a car for about a month and this bill kept going up. Can't find the part. Can't figure it out. What's going on? And my heart was anything but focused on God right when it happened. I remember going in thinking I'm getting my car back. I'm super excited. And they're like, no, it's going to take another three weeks. Three weeks? What takes three weeks? Are you taking my car apart? That's what I'm thinking in my head. I wasn't saying that. But I repent of that thinking. Thinking that I know better than God. The next words in Malachi are not just for the church. They're not just for the church, but they're also specifically for the leaders of the church. So follow along with me in verse 10. It's very, very interesting what he says here. That's a continuation of that thought. And this is where God says, I hate church, okay? I hate what's going on in the church. You better shut your doors. Verse 10 right here. Oh, that there were one among you that would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. (sighs) May may we never be that. May that never be true of this church. Continue in verse 11. For from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun My name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say the Lord's table is polluted, and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame or sick, And you bring it as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand? Says the Lord. Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock. And vows it. And yet sacrifices to the Lord. What is blemished. I am a great king. Says the Lord of hosts. And my name will be feared among the nations. Nothing like ending on a high note. So. I'm convicted when I read this. Guilty as charged. Do we enter the church building here with a heart filled with joy? Are we ready to surrender all of our lives to Jesus? It is one thing, though, to be convicted of half-hearted worship. It's an entirely different thing to do something about it. We can be convicted, but it doesn't mean we change anything. So what's the solution? In the best wife trophy story I mentioned earlier, the wife could go to the husband and say, can we talk? And then she starts fighting for the marriage. God is for restoring his relationship with his people. He's for that. He loves us. Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 24, told the Samaritan woman, Jesus, God, is seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. We learned two weeks ago, God fiercely loves us, and we need to trust him. He has an intense love for his people. It's personal. When when chapter 1, verse 5, which is before what we are talking about today, but says, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel, verse 11 here continues showing God's love, and his desire for worship is not limited. When it says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name shall be great among the nations. From the rising to the setting of the sun, my name will be great among the nations. God desires wholehearted worship and devotion. That's what he desires. So, how does God receive half-hearted, rebellious worshipers just like me? Easily distracted, constantly in a battle to build our own kingdoms, Well, God sent a true worshiper. He sent someone that wholeheartedly worships God with his entire being. And Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, rightfully calls him wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Isaiah 53, 3 calls him a man of sorrows. He's a suffering servant who was obedient to death on a cross for our salvation. He worshiped at his local synagogue and at the temple. And he was surrounded by half-hearted worship. Even when he was young, he wanted to be in his father's house. Luke tells us this in Luke chapter 2, verse 43 through 49. What Jesus sacrificed was never half-hearted. It was his whole heart. It was his soul, his mind, his strength. Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 3, tells us, Jesus now has the joy of everyone worshiping and saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. When we come to church, we are entering the presence of the living God. Is that what you felt when you came in this morning? We are entering the presence of the living God. That is more important to realize because when we just kind of have a whole hum attitude about how we're coming before God, we lose the sight of what's going on here. Hebrews chapter 12, later in chapter 12, in verse 22 through 24, it describes the city of the living God. Verse 28 and 29 describes our response to that. Here's what our response is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. It says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Wow. That right there is what worship looks like with our whole hearts none of this half-hearted stuff, none of this offering, you know you may say like, well we don't offer things on, idol, or on, on altars but you might be giving God your second or third or fifth or seventh or twelfth best when it comes to your life because Jesus worshiped perfectly and makes our half-hearted worship acceptable to God so that he welcomes us into his presence. But that doesn't absolve us of the need to worship with whole hearts. We can't nag people out of half-hearted worship. Ever try to nag someone out of half-hearted worship? It really doesn't work. Much like the wife earlier that I was describing, can't nag the husband into giving a wholehearted gift. She can say, hey, can we talk about this? But she can't nag him into getting the right gift. God desires wholehearted worship and devotion. He desires that. That's that's what he desires. He desires wholehearted worship and devotion. The way to wholeheartedly worship starts with the Holy Spirit working in us, convicting us of what God says in verse 2. We need to feel convicted of when God says, I have loved you, we need to believe that. This love will show us that we're beloved children, servants of the living God. And as we wander and get exhausted, at the end of ourselves, God greets us like the prodigal son. God invites us in again and again and again and again when we turn away from him. And when God says, I have loved you, he's pointing to the nail marks in Jesus' hands and the eternal destiny that he's put inside of us. God deserves the best gifts we can offer, all of our time, all of our money, all of our lives, everything in his service. So if if you have not given your life to Jesus, today may be the day you can give him your all. And maybe you're listening and you're a follower of Jesus. This is the question you need to ask then. Are you letting him have the most Influence on your life. Think about that this week. Are you allowing him to have the most influence on your life? Are you living to worship wholeheartedly? So what? What's what? Why is this such a big deal? Why is Malachi saying all this stuff? And honestly, last last uh, time I was preaching. In Malachi, we did some introduction, and, and really, the people are really scattered. They're intermarrying. They're doing all kinds of crazy things because they're not worshiping God. They're worshiping prosperity. They're worshiping everything else, and they feel like God's abandoned them. So why should we wholeheartedly worship God? How do we apply this? We will wholeheartedly worship God because we have an opportunity to worship God because of Jesus Christ. Because he has shown us a way because of his great sacrifice. So let's give all of our heart to Jesus and see what he can do with it. Because some of us walked in the room today and we realize our hearts are really broken. And what we've done with our heart is made it so it's crushed. So how are we for Stubin? How are we going to be for our county? We're going to, be, we're going to show in our interactions wholehearted worship. People if we are wholeheartedly worshiping God, are going to wonder why you live differently. They're they're going to wonder why you choose to spend your your money differently and choose to spend your time differently. Why your generosity is greater than your self-preservation. Wholehearted worship. So how does this connect to our core values? What does this look like as we look at what we value we will bring people to worship wholeheartedly my prayer is this that god you would let this church be filled with wholehearted worship let us be a church that you want to show up at that god wants to be here it's a joy to be here let us be a church that each of us want to show up at because god is here we will build into people a heart to worship God. Let us encourage one another to worship God with our entire lives. Let us not forget to give God our whole heart that includes building into others. So we can't build into someone else if we ourselves don't have that same salvation we're trying to give. If we're not worshiping with our whole hearts, we will send people out wholeheartedly worshiping God. You should leave here and worship God throughout the week with our time our money and something I mentioned at the beginning the first question God asks with our honor who are we going to honor? so we're going to wholeheartedly worship God I'm going I'm to pray and we're actually going to take communion this morning Some of you are uh, used to a pattern where we take communion on certain days, but we're going to take communion this morning. And part of that is because we're worshiping God together. The other part of it is, if you look at the passage, it mentions the Lord's table, which many see in the New Testament as a reference to communion. In the Old Testament, this is the only time it occurs. It says we're bringing polluted offerings to the Lord's table may this morning be the opposite of that. May we bring our whole hearts, our souls to God. So I'm I'm actually going to pray, and then we're going to kind of go into some time of communion. I'm going to share some things about that. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we look at the prophet Malachi, his words are so hard and harsh, but God, we know that this is a result of your love, and this may be a wake up call for some of us, for all of us, that we need to worship you wholeheartedly. God, may this church be a place that you want to be at, you desire to be at, you're excited about being at, and it, this passage is not true of us in any way, shape, or form. God, use us so that you would get the glory. So you would be worshiped and people would be excited about the good news of Jesus Christ. So this morning as we we continue the service, help us to to not stop this morning as we leave here. But this would just be a start, a catalyst for our week. And that we would worship you in all that we do. And all that we are. Say this in Jesus' name.